Welcome to Realty Talk, the show that brings together the country's most authoritative and respected property experts. Follow us on all the socials and subscribe for updates and exclusive offers. Realty Talk is powered by realty.com.au, connecting buyers, sellers and agents differently. Hi and welcome to Realty Talk, Australia's longest running and most popular property show. I'm Bushy Martin from Know How Property Finance. And given the incredible changes that have occurred with property values in recent times, alongside the current deluge of misleading hysterical headlines peddling property gloom and doom, it's hard to know what's really happening where, as we return to normal varying property conditions around the country. So to shed some light on the true property picture across the nation, Reputable property values, valuers have always had their fingers on the pulse in relation to what's actually happening on the ground. So Kevin Brogan from leading national valuation house, Heron Todd White, joins me for a very special feature show that deep dives into their latest property report and annual update on what a lazy $700,000 will now buy you where. If you're a serious property player, you're really going to enjoy this enlightening episode. And before we get into it, make sure that you stay on top of this and other ongoing property opportunities by jumping on channels.realty.com.au forward slash Realty Talk and hit the subscribe now button so that you don't miss another episode by getting every show in your inbox every week. And for taking the time, I'll even throw in a free copy of my award-winning book, Get Invested. We've got an absolute wealth of wisdom to share, so let's get underway. Greetings and welcome. Now, given the crazy machinations of property price movements across the nation over the last 12 to 18 months, many Australians find it challenging to understand the differences in what and how much property your money will buy, depending on your location. For example, the same amount of your hard-earned may only buy you a small studio apartment in Bondi while it'll afford you a beautiful four-bedroom home in Bendigo, or perhaps even 50 acres plus in Biloela. And of course, this changes over time. And considering that property values generally have just finished enjoying the second highest property boom in the 230-year history of the country, it's increasingly difficult to understand what your dollars will buy around the country, particularly if you're a borderless investor looking to optimise your opportunity. So to help you shed some light on this, every year, leading national valuers here in Todd White, complete an in-depth study of what a buyer without boundaries can secure with a lazy $700,000 and how it's changed over the last year. And to reveal the latest results, we're joined by Kevin Brogan, here in Todd White's National Director of Group Risk and Compliance. So welcome back to Realty Talk, Kevin. Thanks very much, Bushy. Very Always uh, like- pleased to receive the invitation. Well, always like having a tattoo, mate. You always give us some great insights and some real uh, factual information on what's actually happening on the ground. So uh, sort of to kick things off, uh, Kevin, what's your summary of what's happened with property segments over the last 12 months? Well, look, almost all of the uh, uh, residential market segments have seen a a significant growth growth over the last 12 months. I mean, we we talk about the fact that, um, you know, there isn't just one residential property market in Australia, although we quite often uh, bundle uh, bundle all the market segments together. So sort of within that um, generalisation that there's been growth, there have definitely been some different um, speeds of increase. So obviously the capital cities in, uh, in the eastern states have seen very significant increases over, uh, over the last sort of 18 months or more. Um, but the other, the other thing that's really notable, um, which, which there's been a lot of discussion about, is the sort of regional and fringe markets, uh, where we've seen people, you know, the, the sort of um, proximity to commuting uh, opportunities isn't, uh, isn't the main driver anymore. So we've seen some of these fringe markets lifestyle uh, advantages uh, really sort of taking the fore on the list of people's attributes. So um, you know, those sorts of markets have really picked up very strongly as as well. Yeah, no, uh, spot on. It's it's really increased the opportunity base in that that capacity. So what's your overall read of changing property conditions and trends around the country then? Well, so yeah, we've we've spoken about the last 12 months and, and clearly 
you know, if, if you take that as, as a, a year period, the story really has been about growth. But obviously, we're now entering a, a phase uh, where, where we're seeing a slowing down in some markets. And we're even seeing in sort of Sydney and Melbourne a, a drop in property values. Um, but, you know, particularly um, market activity is, is dropping off. And the, and the main factors, obviously, fuel prices, the sort of consequent inflation in, uh, in other goods and services, um, you know, those and, and increasing interest rates, those are all things which are sort of slowing down market activity. But, you know, we've got to balance the, the discussion around that because, you know, we've, we've got the situation where we've, uh, you know, we've got a huge amount of fixed um, fixed rate mortgage lending occurred over the last sort of 18 months or so. Those, those mortgages aren't going to, or, sorry, those fixed terms aren't going to expire um, for the next 18 months or so. So those people are to, to some degree, they're sort of insulated. They're still going to face inflation and, um, you know, increased uh, costs of living, but they're not going to be in the position where they need to uh, engage with increased interest rates for a while. Um, but, you know, the, the other factor is there's been a period of enforced savings. I mean, all through COVID, those states which were impacted by um, travel restrictions, you know, the money that would have been spent on travel, entertainment, hospitality and sorts of, those sorts of things. Have, have, you know, there's been that enforced savings to give people a, a bit of a buffer. A um, couple of pressure points, I think, which, which we may pick up on as we, as we go through the discussion is around the, um, the purchase and construction of new dwellings. Yeah. Um, you know, the, uh, the increase in um, uh, construction cost is actually uh, quite a, uh, a significant consideration. Um, and, you know, we'll probably talk about the impact on builders of having committed to fixed price construction contracts um, at a time when, uh, you know, construction costs are escalating quite significantly. Um, I think the main story is, is you know, we've, we've got a, a bit of a dent in confidence and that's leading I'm going to call them market participants, but actually one of the characteristics is that they may choose not to participate in the market yeah. um, uh, for the time being. Um, and, you know, that that may be an appropriate strategy as, as, you know, many market commentators are talking about increased interest rates being something which is a short to medium term phenomenon. So waiting and seeing what happens may be an appropriate strategy for a large number of people who might other choose, otherwise choose to participate in the market. Yeah, it's uh, very good thoughts. As you and I know, I've been in the industry for a long time. Uh, it's not just interest rates that impact on on property values. There's a there's a whole uh, world of uh, changeable dynamics that that impact on what's happening at different times in different places. So, uh, in that context, what, what combination of value lifting and dragging drivers are contributing to what's happening currently? Well, I think one one of the things is, I mean, we we've discussed some of the factors and and people's knowledge of those factors at a superficial level often comes from sort of media reporting and and such like. And um, you know, a lot a lot of the facts behind the media reporting are correct, but there's a lot of emphasis on uh, increasing interest rates causing a dramatic decline in property values. Um, and look, we we are in some markets seeing property values dropping. Um, as a result of, of uh, you know, uh, as I said, those people perhaps postponing activity in the market. It's meaning that there's less market activity, so there's less immediate demand at a time when there is a supply of property on the market. And that exerts a downward pressure on um, property prices. But there are plenty of um, markets where the rate of increase has slowed down, the rate of market activity has slowed down, but there hasn't been a drop yet in, in, uh, in prices. And I think something else that sort of impacts on confidence, perhaps, is I think there's an estimate of about 1.1 million households that haven't until just in the last couple of months ever experienced an increase in mortgage repayments. Yeah. Um, and I guess that's that's something that people, you know, they would exercise a deal of caution. There's, you know, the the uh, the bank lenders obviously have a serviceability test. They need to stress test borrowers. Uh, at a point in time, how much of an increase in interest rates could they bear? But that's very much a point in time test. Um, when, when you've actually then become accustomed to a level of income and you've got to accommodate an increase in interest rates, it does probably mean people are being a little bit cautious. Yeah. Um, 
And of course, the, the other thing is that the employment market still is really strong. So um, as, as long as that remains the case, um, then that's going to act as a mitigating impact. Yeah, totally agree. And and again, as as you and I know, the uh, you know property values in a particular area go through a bit of an S curve cycle over time. So the the fact that we've had such meteoric increases over the last uh, couple of years is not unusual to see the the extended spring come back to equilibrium uh, and then plateau for a period. So you know, rather than the hysterical uh, property busts or crashes they're talking about. I, I, from where I sit, I'm just seeing you know, things come back to a, a more normal type situation from, you know, moving from the, the the radical to the regular, if you like. So how is all this manifesting in Heron Todd White's property value, valuations around the nation as you're seeing it then, Kevin? Yes. Yeah, so as, as you mentioned, my job title means uh, monitoring risk. And, and clearly, if we, um, if we see market conditions changing such that values may drop, uh, that obviously represents a risk to, um, you know, we do a lot of valuations for mortgage purposes. Um, so our clients are lenders. So we need to be advising them about the uh, the conditions in the market. Um, I think what what's really important is is sort of, well, it's important to me, hopefully to others as well. The, the role of the valuer um, is to determine the market value of a property. And if I, I may, I'll just say that that is the estimated amount for which an asset should exchange on the date of valuation between a willing buyer and a willing seller in an arm's length transaction after proper marketing and where both parties have acted knowledgeably, prudently and without compulsion. And so whenever we look at actual transactions in the market, they may or may not meet that criteria. Yeah. Um, so when, when we're valuing a property that is uh, subject to a contract, we're not actually valuing that contract. We're valuing, well, if the property sold in a hypothetical transaction that meets that definition on the same day, what would that sale price be? Um, yes. Now, in a lot of instances, you know, if you've marketed the property for a real estate agent, the actual transaction meets that definition, but not always. So what, what we've got to do in providing our advice for which we're accountable, we've got to look at settled sales but obviously those settled sales may represent different market conditions. So it's really important that our valuers are reading the market, they're understanding from their real estate agent contacts, the level of buyer inquiry, the number of active bidders at an auction, you know, understanding the transaction. I mean, who is selling at the moment? Um, yep. You know, I mentioned about market participants perhaps sitting on the sidelines to see what happens next. Um, people selling properties at the moment may feel that they have to. So do they then meet the definition of, of uh, you know, somebody uh, selling a property without compulsion? Good point. Um, so look, the, the challenge for us is to make sure that our valuers are um, following their normal process, frankly, which is the due diligence, understanding the market. In places, I'm sitting in Adelaide, so we don't seem to have seen a drop in values yet, but our valuers need to be vigilant to see when that is likely to occur. Um, and I've mentioned already construction valuations, they're particularly challenging because the cost of construction is increasing and potentially in some markets, the value of the finished product is declining at the same time. Something yeah, I, yeah, interesting on that point, I, we're actually seeing uh, where because of the construction costs are going up uh, so high and people are looking at that and going, okay, well, I'd rather buy an existing property. It's actually boosting the potential uh, values of those existing properties as an indirect result. Absolutely. So re recently refurbished properties have the benefit of kind of saving you all of the time and trouble that's required to do it. So long as they meet your requirements, uh, there's, there's a very strong desire in Australia to build precisely what you want. And that's what sort of drives the new build. Um, but if somebody else has done all the hard work, you're, you're absolutely right. That is a very attractive proposition at the moment. Yeah, very interesting, Kevin. Well, we'll now take a, a quick short break before we start jumping into the details of your lazy $700,000 property port. So stay tuned and stay with us for more. 
Successful property investment is a game of finance. Do you have the right team and the right game plan? Realty Talk is brought to you by Know How Property. More than mortgage brokers, Bushy Martin and his team of investment architects set you up with a sustainable strategy structured to lower your costs, tax, risk and stress while increasing your capacity for growth. Know How has helped over 1,900 homeowners and investors secure more than $800 million in property wealth. So get set to live more, work less and live your legacy. Want to know how to invest in your freedom? Visit knowhowproperty.com.au. Welcome back to Realty Talk, where we're talking with Kevin Brogan from Heron Todd White on their latest report on what you can buy with a lazy $700,000 around the country. So before we start, Kevin, can you kick us off by sort of giving us a bit more detail on why you've chosen $700,000 as the purchase price figure to compare what it'll buy around the country? Yeah, look, we we actually selected seven hundred thousand a couple of years ago, and and the idea was that you know in in most markets you could probably find something as as you mentioned in your uh, your introduction. You know, I mean, it's going to vary a fair bit um, what seven hundred thousand will uh, will buy you. Um, so you know, it might be a a studio apartment, or um, you know, it could be fifty hectares in uh, you know in in outback uh you know queensland um but most markets you can find something now i have to be honest it's been a challenge after the last year there are some localities where now it's just kind of bumped out of that and i'll give you a couple of examples as we go through um right. you know the areas where we've uh, where we've researched this um but you know we we can still find uh something at that price point and we do acknowledge that you know in some uh, in some markets, seven hundred thousand is is kind of um, towards the lower end of of what you can get. But seven hundred thousand dollars for a lot of people is a lot of money, and so we acknowledge that in picking, uh, you know, in picking this price point, it it means different things to different people. But it, it has a broad application. Yeah, and no, that's a a good measure, and it'll uh, it's certainly been put under the test in the last 12 months hopefully that'll settle down a bit in the, the next 12 but uh, yeah. let, let's sort of get into the the guts of uh, this year's report proper then and start that off at, at the overall level has there been much change in what you can actually get for seven hundred thousand dollars over the last year Kevin? yeah so as, as we said before i mean some markets have, have experienced sort of almost meteoric um increases of sort of over 20 percent over the um Five percent over the over the last year. Other uh, other locations have seen more modest growth. Um, so there definitely has been uh, been a bit of a shift. And some uh, you know some suburbs that we actually recommended as as being uh, you know a good suburb to get a property for around seven hundred thousand dollars last year. Um, you look at the median price now, and it's uh, it's you're just not going to find anything um, in in those locations. So yeah, look. As, as we said, we, we talk about the Australian residential market as a totality, and, and that does serve a purpose and it is relevant, but it really does disguise uh, some fairly significant variations. Yeah, I totally agree. And I, and I guess the, while there's, there's no choice, uh, median prices in particular can hide a lot of evils because when you get down to the individual property that's, that can be very different to uh, other properties in the area, you, you can sort of get outliers that that occur in that, but in the absence of anything else, at least gives us a flavour what, for what's going. So yeah. in that context then, uh, have the changes and outcomes that you've been seeing, and this is a bit of a rhetorical question really, been uniform by property type and location? And if not, in your view, why not? Yeah, look, we've, we've, we've seen some variations. I'll maybe just concentrate on the ones that you can sort of um, attribute to, uh, you know, our response to COVID because, you know, we've clearly seen um, uh, you know, people tending towards properties that give them a little bit more flexibility with their accommodation. If, you, if you're going to be working from home, uh, you know, people who've perhaps been working off the dining table in a house that they're sharing with other people have struggled a lot more than people who've got a spare bedroom that they can just, you know, keep for, for working from home. So, yeah. you know, we've, we've seen demand for slightly more flexible accommodation, slightly larger houses really sort of pick up. Um, and also, 
um, you know, in we don't need to commute. I'm in the office today. Um, actually, I'm spending quite a few days in the office this week, but you know, that hasn't for the last few months been uh, something that I've done. I've been quite happy to work from home, coming into the office occasionally. And that really does shape the way uh, you know that demand has has um, you know manifested across the market. So um, you know if if we look at um, investor stock type units, they've they've perhaps struggled a bit more, particularly where um, supply of new units has come on at a time where you just haven't really had the rental demand for those uh, units, and and that's particularly sort of CBD locations. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that very interesting. Well, Kevin, that there's been a, a lot of talk as we touched on earlier, uh, particularly over the last couple of years, about the rise of the regions compared to our capital cities. Uh, how has this played out with uh, this year's seven hundred thousand dollars spend uh, over the course of the last year? Yeah, so the, I mean, to be honest, in a lot of the regional locations, there's still plenty of options at the seven hundred thousand dollar mark, um, but we have seen very strong price growth here, and I think one of the reasons is that that people who are looking to move to the regions, if they're moving from uh, a capital city environment, it, even if it's only a small percentage of potential buyers from those, uh, you know, capital city metropolitan areas, uh, compared to the amount of local stock that's available, that is quite a significant demand. So, yeah. Um, you know, as, as you see that sustained demand from a really big population base looking to move into smaller communities, that's what's really exerted upward pressure on, uh, on those values. Um, but, you know, you've, you've still got plenty of options around that $700,000 mark in a lot of those regional um, markets. And I, what I'm going to say next may offend people in my home city of Adelaide, but to some degree, and I don't want to I don't want to promote the stereotype of Adelaide being a big country town because we are so much more than that. But we've we've actually seen, you know, over many years, what's known as the brain drain, where where the young, highly educated, skilled professional folk from Adelaide move to the eastern states. Well, through COVID, an awful lot of them have come back because, yes. you know, their families are here. Their, you know, free childcare is here. Um, and they've they've looked to Adelaide from an eastern capital city vantage point, and they've seen really good value buying. Yep. Um, house prices in Adelaide look relatively affordable. So, you know, whilst I don't want to sort of promote the stereotype of Adelaide being a regional centre, the the fact is that we've seen a lot of interstate purchasers very active in the Adelaide market, and part of the reason is we we are quite affordable by comparison to uh, the the place they're coming from yeah t totally agree and and i still say the uh, country's best kept secret uh, kevin although that it's not not quite so in the last 12 months but uh we, we won't try and uh, talk it up too much mate uh, so that uh, we get to continue to enjoy it now on, on a sort of related note uh how have residential rental markets been performing as you see it yeah, again, I mean, this is, this has been pretty variable. There's been a lot of recent um, coverage, and justifiably so, about the strength of, of the rental markets. Um, but it was really interesting that during the early phase of COVID, um, purpose-built investment-grade units really did struggle, and no international students. Yeah. Um, migration almost completely halted, and, and you know, with, with 100,000 people a year having been moving into somewhere like Melbourne, um, a lot of those people would rent before they purchased. And of course, migration dropped to almost zero. Yeah. Um, the other thing that hit it, it, hit it really hard is, is, you know, younger people working in hospitality and entertainment would typically be renters. And of course, you know, a number of those people would move back to the family home because their employment was so badly affected. Yeah. Um, and also Airbnb properties with the lack of tourism, a lot of Airbnb properties kind of moved back into the general long-term residential rental course. So you've, you've got this demand dropping off, supply increasing. Um, and whilst now we've moved past that, you've actually now got to make up that ground before you then start, you know, moving into significant rental growth. Yeah. But, you know, they, I mean, again, I'll just talk about Adelaide for a moment. I mean, uh, and this is typical of, of many markets, uh, vacancies at a record low, um, rents moving up, um, you know, pretty 
um, significantly, and that's partly because of the employment market being so strong. Um, and, uh, you know, some of those Airbnb properties moving back into the short-term accommodation as particularly we've, we've seen a resurgence in domestic travel. Um, regional markets have fared much better. I mean, yeah. domestic travel, obviously, with people not being able to go overseas, we've, we've seen a fair bit of um, domestic tourism. Um, and this, I, I don't like the term, but it's been used quite a lot, workcations. Um, I, I could quite easily just um, pack my laptop into a bag and go and stay on the coast um, and, you know, work pretty productively from there. Um, and so we've actually seen that sort of thing happening um, as well. Um, and so, okay. you know, in, in many markets, we've actually seen rents increasing quite sharply and vacancy rates have, have really you know, record low um, vacancy rates in some markets. Well, it's a, a good term, workations, because that's exactly uh, what I'm doing as we speak. Kevin. <laughs> uh, so uh, I'm going to use that now. I, I hadn't actually heard that thrown around, but I'll, I'll definitely be using it moving forward. <laughs> now, we've touched on this earlier as well, but just to, to dive into it in a little bit more detail, at the sort of general level, uh, how's the new construction space been affected and, and what overall impact is this having? Yeah, so this is this is a very difficult area, and again, there's been plenty of media coverage of, of builders who've um, succumbed to uh, to the pressure. So, it, it's a really tough environment for for builders. Um, obviously, through um, you know various stimulus measures as as well as just the general strength of the market through COVID, we we actually saw a, a record demand for um, construction of new homes. And many builders have been um, have committed to a fixed price or lump sum construction contract. Um, and at the time they did so, that possibly didn't seem unreasonable. But with supply chain issues, um, uh, but also skilled labor shortages, we've, we've seen those construction costs increase. We've seen delays increase. Um, and the real challenge, well, there's a number of challenges, but the, a really big one for builders is, is that they're only able to claim payment um, when they reach generally a fixed stage. Um, now, if a builder has done 90% of the stage, but they can't get the materials or they can't get the labor to finish that stage, they're not actually able to claim payment for the work that they've done and the money that they've outlaid. And that's a really challenging cash flow environment. Yeah, of course. Um, so, you know, we there, there are plenty of builders who are really struggling um, with that, and, and many builders are looking at um, contract structures now that allow them, uh, at least in part, to recover some of their cost escalations from clients. Um, but that in itself is, is quite a difficult challenge for people who are seeking to obtain a mortgage to fund their, um, their construction. Absolutely, but the, you know, I've been involved in that in the past. Uh, that you only get one really bite at the cherry with the banks, and that's at the start of the process, not the end of the process. So uh, that that that's really going to uh, create some challenges. Uh, yeah, look, it, it is, and I think the the further challenge, and we've touched on this when we talk, talked about valuations, is if you've um, if you've bought a block of land and you're looking to build a house on it you're hoping that the value will be at least as much as you paid for the land and the price that you paid for the construction. However, if, um, uh, if values in your location do fall, you're actually faced with the double whammy of the cost of the construction increasing at the same time that the value of the finished product decreases. Um, and that can obviously make um, funding via a mortgage really quite a, um, a tricky proposition. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a very good point. Well, uh, thanks, Kevin. Uh, we'll now take another very short break before we dive back into what's happening around the grounds on a state-by-state -state basis. So stay with us for more here on Realty Talk. Property deductions can save you thousands of dollars each year. To make sure you maximise deductions, you need to work with the most experienced quantity surveyor in the country. BMT Tax Depreciation is the leading specialist in the industry. They've completed over 700,000 tax deduction schedules for residential investment and commercial properties Australia-wide. BMT guarantee to find double your fee in the first full financial year deductions. Call BMT on 1300 728 726 today for an obligation-free quote. Hi and welcome back. 
Now, in continuing our deep dive into Heron Todd White's latest property report with Kevin Brogan, let's now dig into the meat and potatoes of the what you can buy where with a lazy $700,000 by going around the grounds on a state-by-state basis to reveal your findings. So, Kevin, with a, a focus on what you can buy where around the state and how this differs to what you could secure 12 months ago, let's let's kick off with New South Wales. Yeah, look, I... Th- I think um, if, if we have a look in Sydney, I mean, historically, that's that's obviously been uh, the most expensive uh, capital city for uh, for residential property. But there are pockets that we've identified. So in southwest Sydney, uh, we found it's, it's a relatively affordable um, area compared to the rest of Sydney. And I think it's it's interesting because it is more affordable. The the rate of value growth has perhaps been a little bit more modest than uh, what's been reported for the uh, the sort of Sydney metro area as a whole. Okay. Um, and so far, the area hasn't sort of ventured into that negative growth territory. We haven't seen values fall yet. Now that's you know it's probably a timing thing. Um, but you know, a, a budget of seven hundred thousand dollars. I said this this is a budget that could buy you something almost anywhere in the country, but of course, uh, it's gonna limit what you can buy. And, and it particularly sort of limits us to sort of units and townhouses in many areas. Yeah. Um, but we've identified uh, suburbs like Busby, Miller, Sadlier, Ashcroft and Cartwright, which are all just west of Liverpool. Uh, they still offer opportunities for a detached dwelling uh, within our budget. And, and we've got an example of a, a 1960s, um, pretty good condition, four bedroom, one bath, a renovated home on a 630 square meter block and it sold for 620,000 fairly recently. So um, those sorts of things are still available. Um, and we've identified also that you can get some detached houses within our budget of 700,000 in Western Sydney, um, but you'd probably be limited to strata properties, that's units and townhouses in Parramatta, Canterbury, Bankstown. Um, now, I have to say, within the time allotted here, we, we've sort of compressed it and we've given sort of edited highlights. And, um, you know, it, there, there are lots more examples in our monthly review uh, report. Yeah, totally um, great. I, I, I might just touch on one area that a lot of people are talking about, and that's the Hunter Valley and the Central Coast. Uh, How is that shaping? Uh, yeah, look, again, 700,000 is... is uh, it is enough to actually give you a fair bit of choice in, in that sort of locality. But again, we, we have seen some fairly significant growth in those areas, precisely for the reasons that we've discussed. I mean, it is commutable to, um, uh, to Sydney. You probably wouldn't want to do it every day, but nowadays you don't have to. Um, we've seen a lot of growth there. And uh, so there, there are areas there which are now sort of you know, last year they would have been on our list, but now they're sort of outside the list. But 700,000 is still a, a decent budget to find uh, properties in that area. Um, and we've, you know, we've also, in the regions, I mean, picked out sort of Lismore, Casino, Kyogle. You, you can actually get rural residential property um, around the, um, you know, the outskirts of those areas for sort of, with 4,000 square meters to five hectares um, within budget. Uh, but I mentioned we can't find something everywhere. So the Byron Shire seems now to be out of reach. <laughs> well and yes, truly. I can imagine. Uh, as, yeah. as you may expect. Yeah, of course. Well, right, let, let's now shift to Victoria. What will 700,000 buyers wear in the Garden State, Kevin? Yeah, so, I mean, around Melbourne, sort of close into the city, you're, you're really only going to find sort of one and two bedroom um, units. But capital growth has been pretty modest. We mentioned before Um, Some of the drivers for growth have been sort of accommodation flexibility to facilitate working from home, et cetera. So there's there's been more demand for slightly larger properties. Um, And some of these units as well, perhaps uh, aimed at at the rental market and investors. Um, In sort of southeast Melbourne, um, places like Pakenham and Clyde have have offered plenty of dwelling opportunities um, for for detached houses uh, within budget. That's about 50 kilometres from the CBD in Melbourne. Uh, We've got an example of a 1993 bedroom, two bath house on 785 square metres just sold for 675,000 in Pakenham. Um, And there's also opportunities um, in Mount Evelyn in the outer east, Donnybrook in the north and Tarnit in the the western suburbs. Um, And then in the regions, you know, you can get a new three bedroom, two bath from home in one of the developing areas of, of Warrnambool. 
Um, or, you know, if you head out to the Murray Riverina, Riverina or Macedon Ranges, uh, if, if you want a bit more land, there, again, there's plenty of opportunities within budget in, in those areas. Yeah, okay. Well, let's now sort of head north to Queensland. Uh, what changes have you seen and, and what will 700,000 get you in the Sunshine State from top to bottom? Yeah, well, look, I mean, we'll start with um, uh, with Brisbane. It's still an incredibly popular place to buy residential property, particularly, as, as you mentioned, uh, for buyers without borders. Um, it's going to open, you know, our budget's going to open fewer doors um, in fewer locations than, than last year. Um, so in the inner suburbs, the budget's really only likely to get you a unit or a townhouse. Um, but we've got, for example, a three-bed, two-bath townhouse um, slightly older, but in good condition uh, in Bowen Hills, recently sold for 640,000. Um, a bit further north in Strathpine, you can still get a detached dwelling within budget, but you're likely to need to sort of roll up your sleeves and renovate. <laughs> um, in the mid to outer suburbs, you can get a house on about 400 square meters. Uh, so a modest sized block in Cooper's Plain, Salisbury, Acacia Ridge. Okay. Um, and then looking at the rest of the state, prices are holding sort of pretty firm in the Gold Coast at the moment. Yeah. Um, we've still got fairly good buyer activity there. And, and, you know, compared to last year, again, there are probably fewer locations that you can, uh, you can find. But the tip is probably, um, you know, the older style units, just make sure there's no deferred maintenance issues. Um, they'll still be in budget, and we've got a 1970s two-bed, one-bath unit in Coolangatta for uh, 700,000 sold recently. Um, then up on the Sunshine Coast, you can still get properties in beachside suburbs, obviously not beachside location, um, between Mount Coolum and Caloundra. Um, they're still an option. Um, and then if you go up to Cairns, you can, you can still get a decent home in a uh, in the suburbs of Cairns and 700k still goes a long way in the Atherton Tablelands, beautiful country up there. Yeah. Um, Bundaberg, you should be able to get a large modern family home with a pool and sheds in some pretty good locations in Bundaberg. Um, and in Mackay, 700,000 will, will get you an older style dwelling, um, classic Queenslander in, in traditional established suburbs. Yeah, okay. Well, it's, it's still still uh, pretty good territory uh, in the Queensland. Let, let's now flick to your home state of South Australia, and it, it appears to have been a bit of a, an outlier nationally in recent times. Uh, what and where will 700 grand buy us uh, in the home of the Crow Eaters, and how does this differ to last year? Well, it's South, South Australia and Adelaide have, have historically had a reputation um, and justifiably for a sort of slower and steadier market. But the, the last couple of years, we've seen some really uh, significant capital growth. Um, and, uh, you know, some of that has been, we've, we've attracted a fair bit of um, overseas business investment. And I think it's because of our isolation from, uh, you know, from the worst impacts of the coronavirus lockdowns. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, we, we still may be able to live up to that reputation for being steady because we, we're yet to see a downturn in, in prices that we've seen in eastern states. Yep. Market activity has uh, dropped a little, but, um, you know, as I've heard you comment before, you know, good quality properties are still attracting, um, you know, a good deal of interest. Um, in Adelaide, 700,000 still goes a pretty long way and you, you're going to have options in most suburbs, but I've got an example here of a, um, a 1930s um, single level bungalow, quite a lot of character. It's been renovated, three bedrooms, one bathroom, almost 600 square meters in Pennington, about 12 kilometers northwest of, of Adelaide, and that's sold for about 675,000. Yep. If we look to the, uh, to the regions again, I mean, we, we've got quite a few um, uh, outer regions where 700,000 is still a very generous um, budget. Um, if I just pick on Mount Gambia, you know, the median house price in Mount Gambia is about 350,000 still. So there's still plenty of options within budget. Um, I'd suggest you buy two. <laughs> and a nice place. I came through Mount Gambia only about a week ago. I uh, haven't, haven't been there for a while and it's got a, a really good feel to the town. So uh, good suggestions there. Yeah. All right, look, yeah. very revealing uh, again, as always, Kevin. Uh, so we'll take another quick break and then we'll continue unpacking what's happened in the remaining states. So keep watching Australia's most proper popular property show here on Realty Talk. 
Successful property investment is a game of finance. Do you have the right team and the right game plan? Realty Talk is brought to you by Know How Property. More than mortgage brokers, Bushy Martin and his team of investment architects set you up with a sustainable strategy structured to lower your costs, tax, risk and stress while increasing your capacity for growth. Know How has helped over 1,900 homeowners and investors secure more than $800 million in property wealth. So get set to live more, work less, and live your legacy. Want to know how to invest in your freedom? Visit knowhowproperty.com.au. Welcome back to Realty Talk, where Kevin Brogan from Heron, Todd White, and I are unpacking the latest national property report on what you can secure with a lazy $700,000. In the last segment, we covered off in New South Wales, Victoria, Queensland, and South Australia, and now we continue with the remaining states. So, Kevin, Western Australia appears to be enjoying a welcome resurgence. Uh, how has the largest state in the country fared at the $700,000 spend level? Yeah, look, I, I think, um, as, as you mentioned uh, earlier, I mean, the, the WA residential property has experienced significant value growth. And, and um, if we just look backwards for a little while, I mean, uh, we, we saw value growth in the eastern states and we just didn't see it for a long time in WA. So uh, it's now their time to, uh, to shine. Yeah. Um, so although we've seen that really good value growth and we saw a tremendous amount of new um, construction, it's, it's not quite at the same rate as, uh, as the eastern states. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, I mean, e even though we've seen that increase, there are still opportunities within that $700,000 budget. And um, there's uh, there's an example that we've uh, found in Wallachie. It's 15 kilometres southwest of Perth, so not really that far um, south. Um, it's a 732 square metre lot with a 1950s built dwelling. Okay. Uh, it's sold for 675,000. Now, one of the drivers in in uh, in Perth and WA would be that the lot is actually zoned R40 slash 60. Yep. Um, and it will actually offer good development opportunities once perhaps construction costs uh, normalise. Um, so obviously it's got a perfectly habitable dwelling uh, on the site. So either live in it until the opportunity arises or you get a holding income until the opportunity arises to, um, to subdivide and develop. Yep. Um, looking at some of, the, uh, some of the regions, I mean, Margaret River, um, we found an example uh, of, of a $700,000 sale. Um, it was a new um, property or near new property, pretty good quality and, and uh, four bedrooms, two bathroom home on a five, 500 square meter lot. Okay. Um, sold for just under 700,000. Um, so look, the story is fairly similar um, that you know, there are areas where perhaps last year we might've suggested 700,000 would get you in. Um, and that's now no longer the case, but the, you know, the opportunities abound. Yeah, just uh, focusing in on the southwest uh, area, it's sort of between Bunbury and uh, Rockingham. Uh, any comments on what's happening there? Uh, yeah, look, we've we've certainly seen. Um, I mean, that's that's an area, obviously, where the domestic tourism has uh, has sort of kicked off in a big way, and we've actually seen the local economy performing really very strongly. Um, down there. I mean, once again, you, you're probably going to be priced out, um, you know, perhaps if you wanted to be, uh, you know, close to the coast, you're probably going to have to move in a little bit. But nonetheless, 700,000 is still something, uh, you know, it's still a budget that's going to be able to get you, um, you know, a decent, uh, a decent property in a pretty good location. Yeah, awesome. Okay, well, let's now uh, turn to the good old Northern Territory. Yeah, what's yep. changed at the $700,000 spend uh, anywhere from down to Alice Springs? <laughs> Yeah, well, look, I mean, we, uh, Northern Territory is is one of those territories, uh, uh, you know, where we we really saw, um, you know, from the peak in 2014, we actually, uh, you know, we actually saw um, some reductions in values. But, you know, this time round, we've, we've seen some increases. So um, over the last 12 months, once again, we've seen some areas that probably we might have mentioned last year that have snuck out of the area. But some of the... Um, the inner Darwin suburbs, if you're crafty, are still within uh, within reach, like Miller, Parrot, Stewart Park, Bayview and Woolna. Um, even some of the northern beaches suburbs like Nightcliffe, Rapid Creek, Coconut Grove, they, they could still be in, in reach, 
that properties at this price point will become fewer and fewer. Yeah. If we look at Alice Springs, um, we've, we've actually got a couple of properties just sold for just a fraction under 700,000 around Desert Springs and Mount Johns uh, surrounding the golf course. Not serious? Yep, absolutely. Now, they're, again, they're becoming harder to find. Um, these properties are on the, uh, the freeway. They're, they're not direct access to the golf course. They're sort of mid-1980s built brick homes, three yep. bedrooms, two bathrooms, um, but nonetheless quite well located and, uh, and, and fitting within that $700,000 budget. Yeah, okay. Interesting. Well, let, let's now turn to the ACT, which has always been a bit of a property black sheep. Uh, what's changed at the 700 grand level in our nation's capital? Well, I mean, uh, this this is one. I, ju I just use this as an example for where uh, somewhere that we rec recognised last year as being a good uh, a good place to spend seven hundred thousand dollars is actually sort of out of reach. So, we mm. we suggested Monash, which is at the southern end of the district of uh, Tuggeranong. Yeah. Um, we thought that would be the place to be uh, to be looking. Um, the median house price there has jumped by over twenty five percent since we. Uh, made that recommendation, wow. um, and you know, typically six hundred and sixty thousand would buy you a three-bedroom house, um, but a twenty-five percent on increase uh, increase on that. Understanding that median there'll be houses above and below, but I mean that yeah. level of increase has sort of taken that uh, that area Monash off the off the uh, off the table. Um, but you know, we we found some houses um, which were within budget within uh, Casey, Taylor, and McGregor, and they're sort of in the north to northwestern suburbs. Um, and uh, we've also identified um, some townhouse opportunities in the Western Creek region, which is southwest of Canberra, um, and it looks like there's a reasonable prospect of continued growth in in that sort of area. Yeah, interesting. Okay, well, lastly, but far from leastly, good old Tassie and Hobart in particular have been enjoying a, a really stellar rise in property values in in the yep. recent past. So how's the Appy Isle faring at the $700,000 mark and, and does this very much around the state? Yeah, look, I think, um, as you say, Tasmania's had a, uh, a terrific reputation. I mean, a lot of people um, have, have chosen to retire to, uh, to, to Tasmania or... Um, you know, other tree change motives uh, to, to move down there. Uh, so we've seen uh, a sustained period of growth um, and obviously particularly within the last couple of years. Um, there are still plenty of options uh, within the $700,000 budget. So, a, a, you know, a, a purchaser from the mainland will see Tasmania still as, as being, um, you know, relatively good value buying. Yep. Um, so we've, we've found within $700,000 a, a renovated two-bedroom, one-bathroom uh, freestanding villa in Glenorchy. Um, we found some freestanding uh, detached dwellings in a fringe area like Brighton or New Norfolk. Yep. And, then if, and then if we look um, you know, to other northern suburbs, we've, we've seen you know, plenty of upgraders sort of moving out and family buyers looking for sort of bigger and better homes, you know, for growing families, but also, as we said, for... Um, you know, that sort of uh, flexibility of accommodation so that they can uh, work from home without interrupting the residential utility of the home. So, you know, we've got suburbs like Brighton, Austin, Sperry, Claremont. Uh, they're becoming increasingly popular, but 700,000 will, uh, will get you in there. Okay. Um, and just something a little bit different, um, you know, regional Tasmania has seen significant price growth. And we've mentioned you know, the, the interstate purchases. Um, but there's still plenty of opportunities. And one in particular um, looked look like an interesting proposition, about 700,000. Uh, it's a 1970s three-bedroom, uh, one-bath dwelling. It's on almost 14 hectares um, and uh, is in Baghdad, which is about 40 kilometres north of Hobart. So if you're after that um, lifestyle change, plenty of room around you, um, but still commutable if you needed to 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 Hobart. That uh, that seemed like a particularly good uh, good proposition. Absolutely. Any thoughts on the the northwest coast from sort of Launceston right through to Stanley? Yeah, what are you seeing there? Yeah, a really similar story. I mean, we've we've seen this strength of growth in the regions uh, all across the country, and it's it's been true in Tasmania as well. Um, we've seen the volume uh, of, of transactions in the market really 
really take off over the last 18 months. There's been a little bit of a slowdown in market activity, but it's, it's, not, uh, it's not yet manifested in, um, in declining prices. But once again, even though um, you know, pockets of, uh, of, of particularly desirable areas may have moved out, if you've got $700,000 to spend, you, you will find a, a good property that will um, take your fancy. Kevin, uh, that's really had a really great look at how properties fared differently in each state across the nation over the last 12 months. So after another quick break, we'll get your summary on your latest report together with your thoughts on the future. So stay with us here on Realty Talk. Property depreciation is the natural wear and tear of a building and its assets. Property investors can claim depreciation as a tax deduction each financial year. Depreciation is a non-cash deduction. This means you don't need to spend any money in order to claim it. On average, BMT tax depreciation find residential investors almost $9,000 in first full financial year deductions. Call BMT on 1300 728 726 today for an obligation free quote. Hi and welcome. Now, Kevin Brogan from Heron Todd White has given us a very detailed run through the latest annual property report on where and what you can buy for a lazy $700,000. So now we're going to bring this all together with a quick summary and conclusions, as well as thoughts on what's likely to happen moving forward. So Kevin, at the magic $700,000 price point, which property types, areas and locations have been most affected over the last 12 months? Yeah, so I, I think... Um... You know, as as we've discussed, some of some of the uh, the areas that have experienced the highest growth have, have been those areas, perhaps where COVID is has made a lasting change to the attributes that people are looking for in a property. So, um, you know, the property types that have really um, prospered have have been the ones that offer that extra accommodation um, that that give you a bit of flexibility to work without impinging on the uh, residential utility of the property. Um, I think. Obviously, the, the the last 12 months includes a period where um, in some markets for the last couple of months, we've seen a bit of a downturn in market activity and, and possibly values. And I think yeah. one of the things to look out for is, is the fact that, you know, really good quality properties are going to fare better than properties which have some negative attributes. Typically, a property with one or more negative attributes, people... You know, people will buy them when the market's really strong because there's not so much choice. There's more demand than there is supply. But yes. once it tips over to the, um, you know, to the fact that there's a bit more supply than there is demand, any property with a negative attribute is going to sort of be left on the shelf. Now, you may, you may get lucky in the next upturn that that sort of property comes back into demand. But, um, you know, it's, if, if, uh, if it's been on the market for a little while, and you've got other properties turning over, you'd, you'd maybe want to look at the ones that are, uh, or the type of property that's selling more quickly. Um, yeah. As, as we've mentioned before, some of, some of the areas uh, which we've identified and perhaps even recommended previously for a $700,000 budget um, are now out of reach. And so I, I suppose, you know, on the plus side, if, um, if you read our report a year ago and you uh, and you bought into those areas, you'd be laughing. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, look, those those are the things sort of to uh, to to look out for. Um, and uh, you know, the good news is that that seven hundred thousand dollar budget in in many many markets will still get you um, you know a, de a decent property either for owner occupation or, or for investment or as I mentioned with WA perhaps with an upside uh, development down the track. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, this, this is a, a bit of a difficult question, but uh, where do you think are the current best value, value locations around the country to secure a quality property for $700,000 and, and your thoughts on why? Well, look, I, th I think, um, you know, this, this is obviously sort of broadly based market advice rather than individual advice about uh, particular areas. But, yeah. um, you know, I'll, I'll wave the flag a bit for Adelaide. I mean, I, I just have a look at the um, the fact that through COVID, we've actually seen some sort of economic development. We've, we've, we've been sought out by, um, you know, various uh, international companies. We've, we've developed, um, it's been a longer burn than just through COVID, but, you know, we've, we've developed some uh, innovation hubs, technology hubs, and they've got a bit of a gravitational pull um, to broaden the economic 
space. And this, this is obviously part of a recovery from, uh, you know, a significant reliance on motor vehicle manufacturer, obviously with Mitsubishi going back a few years and Holden. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the thing to look out for is that broad economic base at the moment, um, and long may it continue, the, the, um, the labor market has been really strong and the broad economic base gives you the maximum opportunity for that to continue and be sustainable in the longer term. Yeah. Um, I think it's also really interesting looking at regional centers that have seen a longer term resurgence. I, I think this is one of the things that COVID will have changed perhaps um, maybe forever. Um, yeah. Those attributes, you know, being able to benefit from lifestyle advantages of living a little bit out of town, um, you know, you, you hear reports of, uh, of employers, um, you know, seeing, um, you know, where it's appropriate for, for office workers, you know, seeing um, productivity gains from people working from home. I don't know how you go, but I always seem to work, work from earlier until later. Yes. Uh, when I'm working from home. Yeah. Um, and, you know, those those sorts of issues are, are probably here to stay. They may tail off a bit as people come back into the office. But nonetheless, uh, I think those fringe and regional centres are going to see a longer term uh, benefit. And of course, domestic travel. Um, you know, I, my own personal experience was not being able to travel overseas. I did travel a bit, um, seeing our own wonderful country, and I think I'm hooked. Um, don't get me wrong, I'll probably go overseas as well, but I, I would love to see more of, of, uh, of, of Australia. And I think domestic travel and, and people having workcations is something that will probably stay. Yeah, um, cool. Yep. The other thing about regional markets, of course, I mentioned just the, the weight of numbers, you know, I mean, the demand for property in, in um, you know, in regional markets is coming from people who live in the metropolitan areas. And, you know, the base of that demand, the demand base it, is still going to exceed local supply, because a lot of these regional markets have got a, a finite amount of supply. Some of them have got some new build activity. Um, but, you know, the, the rural residential, the lifestyle type properties um, you know, there's not going to be a, a, a significant new supply coming on. So, so long as demand remains steady, that's, you know, that's going to be okay. And then, then you answered about, yeah, oh, sorry, you asked about some of the, uh, the more difficult areas. And I think, you know, we did mention them going through some of the unit markets have struggled because, you know, pre-COVID restrictions, additional supply was coming onto the market already. Um, you know, the rental market stagnated for a while. Um, and whilst things have turned around, we've actually got to pick up the slack. Um, you know, that, those vacancy rates, um, you know, migration's still not kicking off the way that it did um, yeah. sort of pre-COVID. So it's just going to take a little bit of time for the existing supply to get taken up. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it will probably reach equilibrium, but it will take a little while to get there. Whereas, um, you know, some of the other markets we've discussed look as if there's uh, you know, e even if we have a little bit of a correction, as we've discussed uh, in the current environment, it looks as if the demand for that type of thing will continue. Yeah, awesome. Uh, great thoughts there. Well, let's jump into the present for a minute uh, and just get a really quick uh, rundown uh, on your current national property clock and what it's telling us about which areas are peaking, declining, bottoming and rising. Yeah, look, the uh, the, the property clock um, is is intended to be a good visual um, representation of where we see different markets um, and uh, effectively 12 o'clock is, is sort of peak of market, um, 3 o'clock is declining market, 6 o'clock is the bottom of the market and 9 o'clock is the rising market. Um, one, one of the things that I would love to do is to animate this so that you can actually see the, the markets moving around the clock so that you can see where they were six months ago and where they've moved to now. Yes. Um, but, you know, what what we've uh, you know, what we've seen um, uh, over the last two or three months is is, you know, a number of markets have moved from the peak of the market into the sort of starting to decline um, area. And that would obviously include, um, you know, Sydney and, and Melbourne. Again, we've we've aggregated these markets. We've already discussed how 
you know, Sydney and Melbourne are made up of all sorts of sub-markets. But in, in aggregate, we've seen values coming back in, in Sydney and Melbourne. Yeah. Um, we've, we've seen the start of it in Gold Coast, although not to the same extent as Sydney and Melbourne. Yeah. Um, and we've seen a bit in some of the regional markets like Ballina and, and Coffs Harbour. But then, then we look at, um, you know, places like Brisbane, um, Canberra, uh, Geelong, you know, they've, they've performed really very strongly. We're, we're sort of saying, well, they're at the peak of the, uh, of the market at the moment. Um, I'd say, uh, you know, we, we've still got Adelaide uh, perhaps approaching the peak of the market because yeah. we've, we've yet to see, um, you know, a significant um, reduction in, in market activity and values. Yeah. Um, if you've been following auction clearance rates, um, you know, I've been doing a bit of Adelaide flag waving because the auction clearance rates in, uh, in Adelaide have actually remained fairly robust. They've softened a bit, but they've remained fairly robust. Yes. And so all, all of that's for houses, but we do a separate clock um, for units. Yes. You know, for, for units, the market conditions are slightly different. And, and you know, I think they're not... Um, they're not completely dissimilar, but some of the drivers, so for example, um, you know, Melbourne has probably been showing up as being a weaker market for uh, CBD and, and Dockland uh, investment quality units. And I, I make the distinction because units constructed for, uh, for, for renting generally don't have, you know, that extra storage cage, that extra little bit of room for owner-occupied living. Yes. Um, so some some of the more generously proportioned units in in Melbourne have probably still been doing uh, reasonably well. Yep. But some of those that were built with the intention of renting them out have, have probably just uh, just find found that to be a bit of a struggle. Um, yep. And again, Adelaide, we we do have uh, a number of um, sort of unit buildings within the Adelaide CBD, but we've we've not reached the uh, the, the point where there's an oversupply. So. Um, you know, we're, we're still seeing um, uh, a, a reduced level of increase or reduced rate of increase, but we're still seeing um, increases. So we're suggesting that, uh, you know, that Adelaide is sort of approaching the peak of market, um, whereas Gold Coast for units is probably sort of at the peak. Yeah, no, really good uh, sort of calibration of where we're at. And, and finally, sort of turning to the future, and we won't hold you to this, obviously, because there's so many dynamics impacting on what's happening with values in different types of properties in different locations at different times. But uh, uh, what's your read on of what uh, the Heron Todd White team are seeing as what's likely to happen with property values, particularly at the $700,000 price point over the next 12 months? Yeah, so I think, um, it, as, as we said, there's a really wide variety of markets. And I think in some areas where 700000 is sort of at the lower end of the market, the the price point hasn't experienced such um, rapid growth. It's considered fairly affordable, and so um, you know, as as perhaps people are being a little bit more cautious, they they may be looking more to those um, more affordable markets. So you know, they're probably going to see more sustained demand. In other markets where we see seven hundred thousand sort of being right at the peak of the uh, of the market. Um, you know that's that's something that you may see uh, a more significant softening. Um, you know, as as people move into this more cautious phase, and just you know to reiterate what we said at the at the beginning. You know, there's a lot of talk about um, values uh, dropping significantly. Um, it's fairly clear that we have seen values come down in some markets like Sydney and, and Melbourne, but we've spoken about the mitigating factors. You know, the employment market is still strong. Yeah. Um, if the RBA's stance on increasing interest rates, um, you know, does does help in in um, you know mitigating inflationary pressure, um, you know, most commentators are talking talking about that as being a short to medium term issue. Yeah. Um, I think market activity may drop off because people who don't need to sell. May, de may decide to postpone just to see what what happens next. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a, a very good read. And of course, as we always know, there's always diamonds in the rough uh, in the locations because median prices give us a flavour, but the, the, the devil's in the detail when it comes to property, as you well know. 
So look, uh, Kevin, I really want to thank you for these quite eye-opening insights as always. And thanks again for your very generous time on the show today. Oh, no problem at all. It's always a pleasure, Richie. Thank you, Kevin. Well, it's clear that there continues to be a significant shift on how far and where your $700,000 will buy you in property, which is why property creates so many opportunities, particularly if you're adopting a borderless approach that considers the 11 million odd properties spread across the 15 odd thousand suburbs and locations around Australia. Because as I've always said, it's never a question of when to buy property, but it's always a question of where you need to be buying. So to check out the nitty gritty details of every state and region, uh, that we talked about and touched on today, but a lot more detail, make sure you grab yourself a copy of Heron Todd White's National Property Clock July 2022 Residential Property Report in particular, which you can find for free at htw.com.au. You're watching Realty Talk, your go-to place for all things property. Successful property investment is a game of finance. Do you have the right team and the right game plan? Realty Talk is brought to you by Know How Property. More than mortgage brokers, Bushy Martin and his team of investment architects set you up with a sustainable strategy structured to lower your costs, tax, risk and stress while increasing your capacity for growth. Know How has helped over 1,900 homeowners and investors secure more than $800 million in property wealth. So get set to live more, work less, and live your legacy. Want to know how to invest in your freedom? Visit knowhowproperty.com.au. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's Action Pack Show. Another big thanks to Kevin Brogan and the entire Heron Todd Watt team for so generously sharing their valuable insights. And before we go, make sure that you don't miss another episode of your trusted voice for all things property by subscribing to Realty Talk Now on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen. And make sure that you jump on channels.realty.com.au forward slash Realty Talk and click on the subscribe now button so that you get a free copy of my award-winning book, Get Invested. And while you're there, make sure you check out one of Australia's most extensive range of properties for sale from over 7,000 agents nationally, where you'll even find properties that aren't listed anywhere else. Thanks again to realty.com.au and BMT Tax Appreciation for their ongoing support. I'm Bushy Martin from Know How Property Finance. Remember to always get invested and I look forward to seeing you all again next week. Miss something in this week's show or want to catch up on past shows? Do it anytime at realty.com.au where we connect buyers, sellers and agents differently. 